0: Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Preaching to the Choir podcast with your host, me, Jen Randall. Today, my friends, I got a treat for you. Mr. John Burles is talking to us today about show choir. He was at Wheaton Warrenville South High School and then moved over to Carmel, Indiana right before he decided to take, well, what we're going to call early retirement, (laughs) though he's not really retired at all. And he is now arranging and show designing for show choirs all over the country. He has an incredible wealth of show choir knowledge. I have learned so much from this man in my time in this field. You're going to love it. You're in for a treat today. Please welcome John Burles
1: reach you the fire.
0: Have you taken the dogs out yet today?
2: Oh, several times. It's beautiful here today.
0: That's good. At least it's a nice weather for. Well, what's the weather usually like this time of year for you, though, in Chicago?
2: It's a crapshoot. Like one day might be in the 30s with maybe some snow, and one day might be mid 70s or pouring rain in the 50s. Like you just never know.
0: Right. So that's really fun and really, really stabilizing in in this time. Um, Exactly. Yeah, we don't want to talk about, you know, coronavirus this entire time that we're chatting, but it bears to mention that's probably gonna come up because we are recording during the time of right. during the time of quarantine. Well, thank you for chatting with me today. I'm so glad that you were, you know, available during our busy schedules of quarantine.
2: Here I am. Happy to make the time.
0: <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs> um, so what are you filling your time with? Although this time of year, you would maybe already be getting ready to like Start doing some arranging. Possibly, is this a little early, or is this kind of the time you would start doing that?
2: You know, the past couple of years, I've set April 1st as my start date okay. for my writing season. Um, not because I mean nobody needs something this early, right? But in order to in order to hit all the delivery dates that people want, you know, mid summer, um, early fall, I need to back things up. So starting in April allows me. To spend the right amount of time on each project, so like I said, the past couple years I've started writing on April 1st. So now that we're here in April, it feels normal. It was weird for the previous, you know, the past two, three yeah. weeks, um, because I did lose some in person work, like a musical that I was working on. Oh, yeah. yeah,
0: and then so like that was a bummer. A couple judging gigs, I assume, a couple, of yeah, games.
2: yeah, three or four, yeah. So, which is kind of a bummer. 'Cause like that's usually a nice way to end, like to kind of wrap things up mm-hmm. and be like, okay, this season is officially done. Um and you know, just sitting at home and I mean I could have cleaned my basement or <laughs> painted something, but instead I decided to try to fill my time um getting a jump start on next season. So uh it was actually kinda nice. I took some time and got emails out. I on all the Spotify playlists and stuff that I make yeah. for the different shows that I write, I actually uh, used some clip art.
0: Did you fancy? I did,
2: you have no idea like
0: clip art you made or you found on the google all right so i
2: just went on google and i saved an image and i right clicked you know and then i just uh, there's a thing where on spotify where you can click it but let me tell you it takes a while to pick the perfect picture
0: it really it really is a whole process yes now i i will tell you that one of the directors you work with has sent me the screenshot of of what you did for them just as a teaser because he and I were speaking earlier today
2: I'm sure he has and
0: um yeah he uh, I'm sure we know who we're talking about and he was <laughs> um so excited about it and the first thing I thought was well that is a very professional icon on that Spotify playlist well, I literally thank you. thought that and so the fact that you took time to do that makes me feel better now that like you really that is some time you spent that's what you did instead of cleaning your basement
2: Oh, absolutely, and I really am not embarrassed to to admit to that it took far too long.
0: <laughs> but honestly, at this point, what do we have but time? And that feels very prophetic, but that's where we're at. Exactly. Like no, you're you could right. spend all the time in the world doing that. Well, I probably you're should right. back up a little bit in case like somebody you know does not know that this is what you do, or doesn't know that what you're doing with your time now that you are, are no longer full time in the classroom. So let's back up, and why don't you go through your what I would call your path to being a show choir professional. Like how did you end up doing the job you're doing today? You can start as far back as you need to, you know, you were five years old, a piano recital, whatever you need to start at.
2: Um, I'll start where it actually gets interesting. I think, okay. um, I was, I mean, I grew up in a small town, uh, where everybody, uh, about an hour South of Chicago, Okay. A little farm town called Mantino. Okay. Um, but it was one of those little towns where everybody did everything. Yes. And, you know, the you, you had to play sports and be on student council and be in band because if you weren't, those things didn't exist. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, you know, for, for my whole life, I've been kind of focused on being well-rounded, but just, you know, and I was, was, I am uh, a nerd. So, like, I, I loved school and all that kind of stuff. Um, so when I was uh, going to... Eh, Junior year in high school, okay. I wanted to do pre med, chemical engineering, and Ooh, you know all this kind of stuff. Nerd.
0: Congrats! Oh, well, super amazing. nerdy, yeah. super
2: nerdy. Love math and science. Yeah. Um, when I was teaching, I would I would like if my kids were, you know, struggling with with chemistry homework or whatever, I would love to help them because I'm super nerdy. At any rate. So I went, and I was applying for all these schools and stuff, and I got really offended because one of the, the – and this was back when you had to interview to go to college. Right, I'm not oh, sure. yeah. Well, you remember. Yeah.
0: I, I remember that, yes.
2: Yeah. Uh, so uh, – <laughs> that yeah, right? And um, so one of the interviewers was like, you know, I don't think your, your dress scores are fine, your grades are fine, blah, 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 but I just don't think this is where you're really meant to be. And I, of oh. course, being – the 17-year-old version of myself, um,
0: <laughs> was
2: super offended because she don't know me. And, and you, know, you will whatnot.
0: show her. Just wait, girl. Exactly.
2: Uh-huh. Exactly. So then I what I wound up doing from there was like, well, what should I do? And then I decided to do music because it was what I, you know, I, I really did love it yeah. um, in, in school. And I was like, well, maybe that's what I meant to do. Yeah. And I wanted, I loved, I was more of an instrumentalist back then.
0: What, what, what instruments I did just you play?
2: loved being in band. Uh, I, uh well, I started with saxophone oh, okay. and then added all the rest of the woodwinds. So by the time I was a senior in high school, I was on bassoon. Um, mm. And the only woodwind that I hadn't switched to at that point was oboe, which I got to in college.
0: Yeah, yeah. But,
2: So, but I want, what I wanted to do was be in, like, be in a pit. Okay. So I wanted to, like, my lifelong dream was to be on a pit, in, you know, Broadway or yeah. for the Met. And
1: yeah. I just
2: love that. I like accompanying. I also play piano. I started that a little later. Yeah. Um, so then freaked out uh, because I didn't want to be in a practice room my whole life. And what I liked about music, I know, shocking, but what I liked about music was the, the camaraderie of it all and yeah. getting to, you know, make music with people. Yeah, I appreciate the irony of having said that juxtaposed... <laughs> <laughs> you know with my current Your professional current career.
0: life choice yes
2: <laughs> right um, so then I decided okay I'm gonna switch to music ed the only school that was still doing this was May of my senior year the only ooh, school that was still doing ooh, auditions Yeah, it was Milliken University okay. and they were doing they did rolling admissions so I just showed up one day and they had two audition slots available one in voice and one in piano so I did both of them and there I was How, that was fast track to be a cho <laughs> choir director yeah it was kind of weird. Um, really kind of weird. So anyway, the reason I went all the way back there is because when I was in high school or when I was growing up or like dreaming about what I wanted to do, I didn't know that what I currently do even existed in the universe.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: So it's kind of funny, like when I talk to high school kids, either camps or former students or whatever, or college kids, and they're, you know, this angst about, I don't know what I'm going to do, or like, I can't decide on a major yet and all that. And it's like, no, listen, <laughs> you don't have to know it but, may
0: not exist.
2: <laughs> right, right. Because I now pay my bills doing something that I Maybe it didn't exist when I was in high school. Maybe it did and I didn't know about it, but right. whatever. So anyway, loved teaching. Um, bounced around from Illinois to Indiana mm-hmm. and got out of Indiana as quickly as we could. Anybody who lives there could tell you why. Anybody who doesn't live there don't. Um, I
0: was born there, so I do understand.
2: Yeah, and you got out.
0: I got out at six weeks old, so yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Never to go back.
0: Literally, that was it. Sorry. <laughs> <sighs>
2: So um so yeah, and then when, when I decided to to be done teaching, I was, you know, trying to figure out what I was gonna do for second half of my, you know, professional life. Um and just explored some other options, whether it's was gonna go back to school or try to teach at the college level or maybe try to get another uh choir job and just you know, my wife has always wanted to live in California and it was like, well, if ever we're gonna go, now's the time. So we packed up and headed west, and I was like, Well. At that point, I was doing some side gigs for friends or whatnot and writing a few things here and there. And I was like, well, as I'm trying to decide what to do, at least I've got some income with the side gigs. And before I knew it, my calendar was fully booked with side gigs. So I was like, well, this will work for a year. Like this takes the pressure off of trying to figure out what I'm going to do for a year. And three and a half years later, Here we are doing it always, yes. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I miss, I mean, of course, you know, same thing with you. Like I miss a lot of things about the classroom. For sure. Um, But I'm pretty happy right now with what I'm doing. And I couldn't do today what I'm doing without it being informed by all of what I've gone through. Oh, absolutely.
0: You know? I think, like, what you were saying earlier about, like, when kids are stressed out about, I don't know what I'm going to do, I want to be like, you haven't done anything yet to know what you're going to Like, you haven't right. done enough to walk the path far enough to have a fork in the road to make a choice, basically. Like, your choices have all been made for you to this point. You are an 18 year old child in a high school that, in a town that your parents chose for you. So, like, right. until you, like, move out of the house, make, like, one decision at least on the road of your life. First, yeah, of course you don't know what you want to do. Because, yeah. because everything and nothing seems possible basically at this point. So exactly.
2: Well and know. I found you're probably the same as me, but I found that the kids, especially like the type A ones, mm-hmm. that would say that oh, yeah. being wired that way. Yes. Like they thought like they needed the answers. Yeah. And what I kept trying to explain to kids, and I never could explain it because you can't explain it, you have to live it. But it was like stop looking for the answers and be willing to to find the questions first.
0: Oh my gosh. That's Cause I so didn't know,
2: true. you know, I didn't know what parts of my life I needed to, to fulfill more until I started asking myself what I was missing or what I wanted more of, or what really fed me and what I felt good about and Like right. the questions then informed the choices instead of me thinking, oh, I've got to know what I want to do and I've got to know where I'm going to live and I've got to know, mm-hmm. you know, so, so I just kept like, you like I said, you can't explain it. I think yeah. you just have to live it, but just the, the notion of, being open to learning all the questions. It's the same thing when you're teaching. Yeah. You know, like your first and second year teaching, your first year, I mean, God bless all the first year teachers, and surely mm. there are some listening. Yeah. But first year teachers, I mean, let's. it would be cool if everybody just admitted you don't have a clue in your first year. Oh, yeah. and then in your second year, mm-hmm. the only thing different about your second year is that you know when, maybe you know when to duck the blows, right. but the blows are still coming. Oh, yeah. You know? And, that and last then one third and fourth year, four, sort of figure yes,
0: it out. Yes, exactly. It takes time. <laughs> yeah.
2: And that's okay. Like, that's that's awesome. That's st- Those are still valuable experiences for the students to get to go through also. So it's, like, it, it's all good. But, but I found that when I was teaching, like, it was a matter of the first several years. And even when I changed jobs, it was starting over again. But having to relearn what questions I need the answers to rather than just needing to seek answers. Oh
0: my gosh, because there is an education, especially when you're first teaching, well, whenever you're teaching, like you said, a a brand new job, right? I think administration thinks their entire job is to give you the answer to every possible question that could ever exist on one piece of paper or in one handbook um, or an email or a meeting that you had that never ends. And you're going, I don't even need 50% 50% yep. at more than that, 75% of these questions will never apply to me. So, yeah, finding out what actually will even matter is right. so important. And you can't know that starting out at the beginning. You have to have done something in it. You have to have done it for a year or two. And then you go, oh, that mattered. Oh, just kidding. That didn't matter at all. Well, let me ask you this then. When you were first teaching especially, do you find – did you find at least, and maybe still now, do you find that you learn – just as much by what didn't work versus what did work or are you the kind of person who feels like you can kind of plan out the options in your mind in advance and you can see which path is already not going to work
2: yes to both um i'm a planner person and that goes with being type a and and all that kind of stuff so i am sometimes hesitant to make a move Mm. unless i've thought seven steps down the road and what could possibly go wrong Mm -hmm. which is then prevented me from making some moves where probably nothing would have gone wrong or I would have made it four steps and turned the corner anyway. So it wouldn't have mattered that seven steps would have been a disaster. So I think some of that, that care and planning, you know, maybe prevented me from taking some risks that in hindsight I might've taken. Um, But I also learn a lot more from mistakes than successes, like successes. I just, the way that I'm wired, I don't take a ton of time to celebrate successes I'm like, all right, it worked, but on to the next thing. Yeah. As opposed to when something doesn't work, you know, you lick your wounds a little bit yeah. and then it's like, well, what the, ah. Uh, you uh, got to you know, dissect then,
0: that thing too then and go, Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: So I pro- for me personally, I probably learned more from failure than successes and Lord knows I've made plenty of mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but also, like I said, uh, some of the mistakes I avoided making but maybe it wouldn't have been mistakes. I don't know. Yeah, seems no. like a weird way to say that. No,
0: that totally makes sense because I think that especially again when we're talking about like beginning teachers and, and people who are new in in, in their professional mm-hmm. settings are so often afraid to make any mistakes at all that uh, you know that keeps them from growing. Period. Mm-hmm. Like there's no growth happening at all. And right. and or the people that only make choices that seem safe tends to ha- tends to be the same thing where, you know, this may seem safe. It ends up being a misstep because it was so safe. Like, right. I, you know, I mean, I feel like I see that so often with you. With or at
2: the very least, a missed opportunity.
0: For sure. Absolutely. It could have been so much more. It could have been so much better. And I think exactly. on some level, we're both talking about creative choices pretty much here. And I'm thinking about like, uh, let's talk about like shows and show planning, which is, of course, a huge part of what I want to talk to you about today. Like when you are, I think when I look back at the stuff I planned when I was first starting and I, and you're smiling already and I know you can feel this way too about your own stuff. Like, tell me about what you feel when you go back and you look at the stuff that you did creatively in those first few years you were in charge of a show choir.
2: Well, and again, like to hearken back a little bit to what we've already talked about, like, I just want to talk to that version of myself <laughs> Who, by the way, knew everything there was to know. Absolutely.
0: There was no telling us anything.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Because I had been planning those shows since I first started Show Choir. And I had fine-tuned every detail of them so it was going to be great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Until it wasn't. Yeah. Inevitably. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) No, and that's, you know, but the first couple years, it's funny because when you're coming up with shows before you're a teacher... You're thinking about it from the perspective of a show designer, a producer, an audience member, mostly, quite frankly, because, you know, when you're growing up and you're in it or, college, yeah, all you do is watch it. You take it in. You're an appreciator at best. Even if you're a student of, you're still just a sponge, right? Mm -hmm. And that's not a bad thing. That just, that's one of the steps. Mm -hmm. But what you don't think about is the, the teaching or the educational component. Yes. Even if you think you're thinking about it. I don't think it's possible to really wire your brain that way until you're, you know, put in front of a group of 20, it. 40, 60 kids, you Absolutely. know? So I would say my biggest creative mistakes were actually rooted also in pedagogical mistakes. Ah, mm-hmm. um, so once I figured out, you know, more figured out the teaching component of it all, you know, mm-hmm. the primary part of our job. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> what? Tell us more about that. that out, <laughs> I know, right? Once I started figuring that out and making creative decisions driven by, by learning yes. hopes and outcomes and goals and not to drop jargon, but I mean, mm-hmm. truly, yeah. once I made my creative decisions based around those things, It opened up a whole world of of creativity that I didn't know existed. And it seems counterintuitive. It seems like, okay, once you start, you know, teaching to the test, it's going to be lock things down. But for me, it really didn't. It gave more purpose to my creativity and it gave a little bit more direction. I'm not a good brainstormer. I'm not a creative person. People have fought with me on that. I'll tell you, I, I work very, very hard and I,
0: oh, well, yeah,
2: I don't think I'm willing to. Yeah. I would put my work ethic up against anybody's. Absolutely, but I would not put my creative energy up against anybody's because there are so many people. Like there are people who sit down on the couch and just stream up these wonderful things. That is not me. I have to work very, very hard. And when ideas come, I have to really pay attention to them, and I have to listen. And I it just it just takes me a long time. But once I started making creative decisions based off of teaching goals, I had some direction for my creativity, mm-hmm. and I had some. It was like kind of like a built-in plan, mm-hmm. and and if I got a checklist, I'm happy to go down a checklist. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. <laughs> so That's the you know, before yeah, so before when I was just approaching show design, first couple years teaching, um, from a an audience member's perspective or an appreciator's perspective, I thought that I'd put together these really cool ideas. Turns out, what I put together were ideas that I thought were cool. Right. And so I didn't have any understanding of universal appeal, which if you're a good teacher, you know that there's there, there's a need for universal learning and and different ways of communicating the same concept to different types of learners and students. Well, it's the same way when you're putting a, a production in front of an audience. You need to have different things that will grab different audience wow. members to have a universal appeal. So for me, that pedagogical understanding has absolutely defined my now producing Self.
0: That is not. I've never heard anyone describe it the way you just said it, with that pedagogical angle to it. Which, of course, that makes sense. Obviously, I think as long as you've done this for any number of years, people our age and certainly older have done it enough to know. Yes, you have to have universal appeal, but that thought process that it's just like learners in your classroom. You have to diversify the way that you're teaching things. Obviously, you have to diversify the way that you are giving the audience members things. Right. You know, in order for it to feel like that. That makes so much sense. That's a really really good point um when you were talking about that too i was thinking about how um i think that show planning too when you're talking about not being a creative person which i am not someone who will argue with you on that because i i know what you're saying i understand completely what you're saying um Mm -hmm. i am also someone who while I do sometimes have creative thoughts, I'm not really a creative person myself either in the way that I think so many people in our field are. Um, right. But you do have to have that balance because if you're just someone who has a full bloom of creative ideas all the time, you have to be able to execute them. You have to be able to break them right. down into ways that are digestible for either a judge or an audience member. And so creativity can sometimes be I, this is a weird thing to say, maybe, but a hindrance, I think, in, in doing sure. what we're trying to do. Um, or you just have to have somebody on the other side of the ball that's a balance. And I think a lot of us get lucky um, in our in our work right. lives or not lucky, maybe just on purpose. We're searching out for that other side of the coin, um, which I think you do that for people. And uh, certainly everybody I know that you work with, like they love that about you, that skill set about you that you can go through and break things down and go okay, this will work and here's why. And here we're checking this box and people need that. So I, I know that you're filling that need for people. When you are, um, well, first of all, you are doing both show planning now and arranging. So you're doing both right. sides of that, correct? Um, yeah. Tell me about you know, you don't have to go into a ton of detail if you don't want to, since it's kind of proprietary to your job. But tell me about a little bit of like the process of working with someone to plan a show that isn't your own children, because that's a different thing going from like having your own group, having your own school, knowing them, seeing them all the time, knowing. So how do you kind of bridge that gap?
2: Uh, that was one of my biggest challenges yeah. when I started to do this full time was figuring out how to do it well. Cause yeah. look, I mean, anybody who knows how to work Finale or Sibelius <laughs> or Pro Tools thinks they can be an arranger, and most of them are right. Like they, <laughs> they might that. not be a good one. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, yeah, but the, but truly, uh-huh. I mean, you, anybody who can put dots on a page can be an arranger. Technically, yes. Yeah, I wanted to be a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, we thank you. For and that. part of and. Part of my kid's success, I believe, when I was teaching, part was due to the, the dots that were on the page for them. Um, but the dots that they sang, the the final product was never the first draft. Mm-hmm. Yes, for me. So, and and I just learned how to workshop my own work um, and adjust to what I had. And of course, later on in my career, um, I there were fewer adjustments that needed to be made because mm-hmm. I figured a lot of things out by them, but I always made adjustments. Mm-hmm. So one of my fears when I started to do this full-time for other people was I'm not going to see the kids all the time. I'm not going to know about the adjustments. I'm not going to know what your strengths are. I'm not going to know that these three-second sopranos all have the exact same sweet spot. Right. So I'm going to write this for them and know that three voices can carry or know that, okay, well, you don't have those this year, so we've got to have you – know, All those things that you just inherently know about your own singers. Mm -hmm. Um, I wasn't going to know that. So it's weird. Every time I take on a new client, which is pretty rare now, which is a blessing. Yeah, yeah. I'm very grateful. Um, But whenever I take on a new client, the first conversation is never, it's kind of weird. They feel like they're in a job interview a little bit, but (laughs) I think that they know that I'm quirky enough and they just kind of roll with it. Right. Right. Our first conversation is never about what what's the show going to be. Our first conversation, I ask them about what their program is, and I ask them about what their hopes are. I always, 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 even with clients that I work with, you know, for several years, um, I'll ask them what their group's personality is. Mm-hmm. You know do you, do you have the goofy boys that need to graduate, or are you? Do you have? Are, is it a nerdy choir boy year? Right. Either way, good. We can we can do either way, but those take different. You know, those are different approaches. So I try to get to know the directors as much as I can. Um, most of the time, not always, most of the time groups tend to be a decent reflection of their directors. For sure. I would agree with that. Yeah. So, yeah. So just the more I work with people, the more I, get, I can know and I feel comfortable writing things for them. Um, first time out, I mean, it's, it's going to be a crapshoot. Yeah. So luckily where I am now in my career is that I've, I'm not taking any gigs where I don't already know the group, right? Yeah, and you can't where I don't them. have some mm-hmm. information to mm-hmm. put it on. Like I'm not just answering a cold call. Hey, will you write this chart for me? Right. Um, not because I'm above that, but because I know that that wouldn't be my best work. Mm-hmm. So, so, but then to lo- you know, loop back and catch the creative element of that. Different directors like having different amounts of say in their shows.
0: I was going to ask about that. That part is very curious to me. Yeah.
2: Yeah, which is, for me, a blessing because it means I don't know that I could write as many shows as I write if I had to do all of the design work myself. Mm -hmm. Um, Simply because, again, not creative. It takes a lot of time. takes a lot of energy, a lot of second guessing. Um, So when I do design a show from the ground up, picking all the songs, all the costumes, all the, all the... Mm
1: -hmm.
2: um, it's exciting and it's fun because, I mean, I, I liked doing that when I was directing.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But I I, there, I just don't have the energy to do that for all the groups I write for. Conversely, um, when a director wants to do all that themselves and basically just gives me the layout, we're doing these songs, it's this part to this part. I want the boys to sing here and the girls to sing there. I would not have fun writing as many shows as I write, if it was all that, totally, yeah. I, I would feel like I would feel like a machine. However, the few of them where I where I do that, it is kind of nice to be like, hey, I can breathe life into your vision. Yes. I can this side of my brain is happy to contribute and and can you know make it such that you feel fulfilled as a creative voice with your own kids. And I'm happy to just put the dots on the page. I wouldn't be happy to just be dots for everybody. And I don't have the energy to do everything for everybody. I find that most people that I've worked with, we've, we've garnered a a good, good relationship and there's a good amount of trust. So we'll go back and forth. Yeah. Most people that I work with don't care whose idea it is. So if I've got an idea and I'm like, okay, Jen, let's do this. I, I feel like I really want to do a, a, a Coke Zero show with your kids, you know? Can uh, we? And, because really? <laughs> well, it is the Supreme Cola. But <laughs> um, no, but so it's like, like if I said that to you, um, most directors that I worked with would be like, oh my gosh, yeah, let's run with that. Yeah. No, None of them are like, um... I'd really like to come up with the idea myself. I shouldn't say none of the directors, I'm sure some of them are. But, no, but likewise if you were to say to me, "Hey, I really want to do a Seven Up show." Yeah. Then I'd be like, "Cool, let's 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 go there. Let's let's explore that idea." And there's there's just a lot of give and take and, and just most of the groups fall somewhere in the middle. Maybe it starts with me, maybe it starts with them, maybe it's just like a shared experience that we're in the same place together. Sure. It's like, "Oh my gosh, is this turning into a show? I think it might." And then, you know, or somebody's got like, I mean, any of us who do this are nerdy enough to have trunk shows oh, and sure. have yeah. back burner ideas and yep. whatever. <laughs> and so what I found is sometimes if, if we're having trouble figuring out a starting spot, like, okay, nah, whose idea we're going to go with? That's like, okay, well tell me about, do you have any back burner ideas? And you'd be like, well, actually Dr. Pepper has kind of been bouncing around in my brain for years. I just don't know how to do it. And I was like, I like Dr. Pepper too. That could work. Maybe, you know, so then we go from there. Um, and and that's pretty fun, too. That
0: makes so much sense. And and that would really be the only way to do it, like you're saying, when you don't have that daily knowledge and that daily experience with them um, to make that work. And, you know, I think that there are so many people that in our field that, um, that are arranging. Now, I say this as someone who myself is not an arranger. I would never claim to be that person. Um, but who are arranging and really do just enjoy the churning out the charts like they're very okay with of that course. part of it. Um, and we, and as you're saying, it's a balance. We need that too. We need those kind of people who are just churning out the sheet music. But um, I, I think that that's so interesting about what you do. I think that's a real differentiation in what you're doing uh, that we haven't seen as much of in show yet. And so it's, it's fascinating to me. I have I, yes. so enjoyed seeing the shows you've done that way so far with different groups. Well,
2: um, and I'll tell you this though, as I build my calendar, I'm really intentional, not just about meeting people's deadlines, um, which I, do, but mm-hmm. <laughs> as I decide, yeah. Um, as I decide, OK, these two songs or these four songs aren't due until August. It's currently April. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to get going. I'm really intentional on the order that I work on those songs, um, because sometimes even in a really creative, really involved show, mm-hmm. sometimes there's a minute and 15 seconds just to plug-and-play, show choir, it's a lift, it's easy, it doesn't take a lot of creative energy, it still takes the time to do, to write the chart, but it doesn't take as much problem-solving as maybe, like, a really complex medley. So I'm intentional about how I put things together, so that way, sometimes it's fun to just be like, all right, I'm going to knock this out of the park, and it's going to take me one day, and Mm -hmm. it's going to be done and I like you know it's like any of us that like to check something off a list like sometimes that's fulfilling in the same way where like a three or four day medley where I can solve all the puzzle is fulfilling I just make sure that I'm not doing too many of the same types of things in a row Mm -hmm. again because I like that that variety probably goes from when I was a kid and just jack of all trades trying to bounce around and stay balanced
0: okay so I'm going to ask you about a specific piece which I was not planning to do but as you're talking about the the you know Writing of things and how quickly it comes Or or you know all that So this year So, so 2020's uh, comp show For Omaha West Side, The Torch oh, song Oh my god So if you have not seen <laughs> this you can go on the interwebs I'm sure by now and find this But it starts with a solo um, From Torchy Tess And that by the way that headdress That she wears in that I tried it on in Doran's office Like three months ago That thing weighs like 15 pounds and like stabs you in the cheekbone how that girl like sang and danced I I literally never know she's she's a goddess for sure but um but for your part of it the way that song fits together is absolutely bananas in the best possible way and I want to know how long that took you
2: um I could tell you
0: You're looking. If you want, if you really want to know, like I, I want to know the exact amount of time. So again, while he's looking that up, it moves from this torch song, and then it moves into the country western type song "I've Been Everywhere," which we're referencing the Olympic torch moving around the world, and then and the Olympic games, and then it moves into "We Didn't Start the Fire" by Billy Joel, and instead of the Billy Joel lyrics, it references every place that the modern Olympics have been, and it's in chronological order, correct? yeah yeah it's in chronological order it's with, a with the scheme.
2: rhyming scheme and all that stuff yes with uh, the rhyming
0: scheme it's nuts okay how long did it take you?
2: well the song itself is about three minutes so right. it's about it's in like an average length so song you mm-hmm. know anywhere between two and a half three and a half minutes so yeah. it's not and it's not abnormally long or short and it took me two and a half times what it usually takes me to write a standard length song yeah. um it took me and again Completely in a retentive But I can tell you that Just lyrics alone Was eight and a half hours Oh
1: my
0: gosh that's actually Honestly that's less than I thought it was going to be Because like the, Again the rhyme scheme The chronology of it It's, And I think the first time you watch it You're like oh that's cute It's about the Olympics And then I ended up judging it two or three times this year And saw it at a, at a clinic and all that And so by the fourth or fifth time I saw it I started really listening going Holy cow, that's a lot, and I love that in show choir when you can like the more you see it, the even better it gets. Even right. though it was already good, um, but yeah, I just have to like bow down to you and your writing and arranging skills on that one because that was nuts. nuts I can tell friend. you though
2: that part of why that that was possible was because that was in that was one of those places that was the perfect intersection of um, like my interests and the group that I was writing like their their directors preferences and the group's yes. ability and that kind of stuff. I've always been an Olympics junkie. I am heartbroken that Tokyo is going to oh, be another year I off know, and which now means that the the lyric from that song in 2020 Tokyo is where we'll get our kicks um it's not 2020 right. it's 2021 which does not flow uh the picture but, and
0: I were texting saying that his is the only olympics that happened this year were you in that text too Did I send that to you as well I was like congrats no, you have but, the only olympics that happened this year
2: yeah um so yeah but I was so I'm an olympics junkie and I've always been a fan of that yeah. so for me it was just a natural like thing that I was okay to be super nerdy about
1: yeah um,
2: yeah and then it just happened to, it was a good intersection of his interests. And again, the way that show kind of went together. Um, I could not like another example of, of something that, that was like an audience favorite or fan favorite yeah. was the Carmel girls when they did their glamping show. Yes. Okay. Um, and the disaster medley yes. that was in that, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> which still kind of makes me chuckle. and And people seem to really enjoy that that was just another thing that the director and I had worked together and like our senses of humor were pretty, like that was right where our sense of humor. Both up, right? Yeah. So again, for me, like I was, I was invested and there was enough of my kind of cheekiness in that. Yeah. So when people are like, Oh my gosh, I love that. I want to do that. Well, I can't just, yeah. I don't just pull those out of thin air. If you're like, I want to do that for my Dr. Pepper show. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I will, I will try my hardest. And if you've hired me for that and we're working together, I will give you my very best effort. Mm-hmm. But I need to be mm-hmm. honest. Dr. Pepper does not inspire me the way that cheeky humor, sarcasm, or the Olympics do. So I don't know that I can. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that I can do one of those right. medleys for that. So it's not a it's not a universal one size fits all thing. It's really got to resonate in in a lot of different ways.
0: Have you ever had? a request from a director that you had like you had to like go research a ton or you really had to like was there ever and have you said yes to things like that or is that something where you normally say to them listen this isn't really my wheelhouse either the style of the song they chose or the type of thing they wanted to do like have you ever had that happen
2: Yeah and I'm willing to do the research and I'm okay. willing to stretch and to learn and and work hard so that's never an issue for me mm-hmm. um but I'm also willing to be honest yeah. To say, hey, I'm not the guy for this. Yeah, and, and not because idea. I don't want to. Yeah, not because I don't want to do the work, but because you name it. I mean, there are better people than me at doing most of what I do. Um,
0: <laughs> you're very humble. <laughs> yes.
2: No, no, it's it's absolutely true, and I, I think that's true of, of all of us. You know, like if we're being very honest. Yes, there are certain
0: elements. Yes, mm-hmm.
2: I bring a combination like mm-hmm. of skills, like my skill set. Is pretty unique,
0: mm-hmm. but my
2: individual skills are not unique.
0: Oh, that's that makes a lot of sense. Yes, I see what you're saying. Yeah.
2: So if you are wanting something that maybe hits on something that isn't a strong suit of mine, and I can't supplement it with something that is a strong suit of mine,
1: right? Then
2: the last thing I want is to give your kids something that's subpar. I mean, I'm still I'm, was, am, and will always be a teacher first.
0: Right. Right.
2: So I yeah. would rather quote unquote, lose out on the gig or or that loss of income or, you know, can't do this project, but know that, you know, it's not going to be a loss of respect because hopefully you'll appreciate that I sent you to the right person. Uh, And I've got enough faith in the universe where if I turn down a gig then hopefully somebody else somewhere else is saying, you know what, John's the guy that needs to do this for you. So right. it balances right. out, it, I think. It,
0: You're very right. And that they could come back in a different year and you are the right guy for it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Right. I, I totally right. see what you're
2: saying there. Having said that, I also think that now I'm kind of a proven commodity. Yeah. And people, generally speaking, again, knock on wood, um, but generally speaking, people aren't asking me to do things that I don't do.
0: Right. Because right. –
2: because my slate is pretty full of people who want what I do. Right, right. Exactly. Which I, I get grateful and that's that's a blessing. And that but I also don't think that happened accidentally. That was from years of building trust and years of hard work and years of people believing in me when they had mm-hmm. no reason to and so it's it's kind of the perfect storm, but but I'm I'm very very lucky that for the most part now people ask me to do what I do.
0: Well, and going back to the younger the younger teachers, directors, uh, choreographers, professionals um, that what you la- what you said at the end there, I think is so important. That I want to put it out one more time, is that it takes time. To get to a place in your work career where you have earned that respect, where you have um, worked with people and you've and you've made the contacts and you've and you've learned your own skill sets and what you're great at and what you need to get better at and things like that. And I certainly when I was younger was much more of the type of person who like we were saying earlier couldn't tell us anything. Right. But, you know, it, it's hard. It's hard to. To, you know, get to the place to calm down enough, I guess is what I want to say, that you can just kind of enjoy the ride for the first few years of of your work and just take everything in, just absorb everything you're seeing around you um, and learning things through who you're meeting and all that. So with that said, a question I have for you is who would you say, and you can name multiple people would be show choir professionals that really influenced you or really helped you or mentored you in some way?
2: Um, the first one hands down is Nancy Bocek. Mm, she was okay. a choreographer at uh, Wheaton Morval South. When I first started teaching, she was the, her husband, Bill Burr was always her accompanist at camp. And one year he was on an international tour with the Glen Ellen Jordan's choir. So oh, she okay. brought me to camp as her accompanist. Oh, um, okay. so she took me under her wing and, um, so she was the first one that that really believed in me enough to to give me some chances that maybe yeah. I wouldn't have had otherwise. Um, Dwight Jordan, uh yes, obviously was. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, we've. I think anybody in the business has learned something from Dwight, whether Absolutely. directly or indirectly. Yeah. Um, but getting better, to work, yeah, yeah, and getting to work side by side with him for so many years, and yeah. and, and develop that relationship. Um, Linda. Southerd, mm-hmm. Linda McCacker, and Linda Southard. Miss Linda, um, yeah, Miss Linda. Uh, just again, in all elements. Yeah. Uh, Verda and Eric Van Cleave were probably the two that helped me most in terms of show design and just creativity. And Eric, just because Eric used to write for me and has yeah. been a great friend, and and you know, certainly that's another one where I, I thought about writing a book when I was yeah. teaching and maybe now, maybe that'll be my third career. I don't know. Um, I'm fascinated by the, when your heroes become your friends.
0: Ooh, that's a book I'd read, sir. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think
2: that, and I don't know how it's mostly dumb luck and mostly, you know, fate. I think it's certainly not something that I deserve or have earned. Um, But like a lot of my heroes have, like, now they're on my speed dial. Yeah. That's unbelievable. So so Eric was one of those, you know, in That's terms of good. arranging. I never wanted to be an arranger, even when I started directing. Even yeah. in year five of directing, when I had started to arrange things for my kids, I didn't want to be an arranger. Like, it wasn't on my radar. Um, But I learned as much as I could from him and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, s- same thing with Verda. Like, she was putting cool shows together before showcore was cool.
0: For real. Yeah. And, like, the... What you've learned from them and just spending time with them is right. is so much greater, I think, than what a lot of us learn. Uh, well, certainly you're not learning any of this in college. I mean, let's be honest. That's not a program no. that anyone is offering. So you're not getting it there. Um, and if you're only spending time with your peers, I think that's not a thing you're necessarily gaining. So, like, it's not just that, yes, it's an amazing thing that your mentors are your friends now, but that you took the time – to spend time with them when you were learning and to ask questions and to maybe look a little dumb i mean i don't know if yeah. that was the thing you ever thought i said well it's funny my mind all the time
2: it's funny because you had asked you know do you learn more from success or failure or mm-hmm. do you avoid risk and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. the very my the first time i was the sole director of the show choir at wheaton and warrenville south which was my third year teaching
0: what year was there that, were anyway? multi, oh,
2: 2004
0: Four, five five something like that okay Ish? Yeah. That sounds about so right. So yeah, the show yeah. year of
2: 2005 um, was my first, you know, sole directing year. And I brought the kids. That's when show nationals was still a new thing in yes, Nashville. Yes. Daryl had just uh, recently retired from his teaching job. And so, you know, starting this new thing and how cool. And I, of course, was going to be, you know, the best in the country. And right. And the way to do that is to see the best in the country, which I still believe.
1: Yeah, agreed. Um, hmm
2: uh, so I was going to, and we went to that contest, not expecting anything.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, the, the kids who were in the group had been in show choir before. Cause it was at the school. It, it existed. Mm-hmm. Um, the choral program was pretty comprehensive. So there was good, they you know, we're good singers. Um, anyway, so it's not like we were clueless as to what the activity yeah. was, but we did not have a clue in terms of how competitive things were. And some of those decisions that you need mm-hmm. to make to be successful. So, Go to this contest, pay the fee, get to perform on the Grand Ole Opry stage. There were seven show choirs that year. Oh, okay. And six made finals. Oh, no. Oh, yes. I know where this is going. Oh, yes. Oh, you do. So we did not make finals. Oh, bless. Um, and talk about learning from your mistakes. Mm, yeah. That was also where I learned "pay a dollar, take your chance." Yeah, and I don't, yeah. I don't want to. I mean, I stole that phrase from Miss Linda, but the idea I learned myself the hard way, um, so, because our rankings. Anybody who wants to talk about choquera judging and rankings <laughs> yes. and all that kind of stuff, we could certainly <laughs> well, go there. No but our rankings that day were uh, of the five judges. We were ranked two, three, four, five, six.
0: You were a rainbow split. How about that?
2: Two, three, four, five, six, and we did not make finals, finishing in seventh place. Ugh.
0: So, it was okay, law scoring is what you're telling me.
2: Well, it was just one of those goofy. Everybody yes. was yeah. everywhere. Yes, and I was an idiot, but I had gone to camp. Okay, so Verda knew who I was, okay. and Verda was one of the judges, okay. as was Alan Chapman, David Leg, Pete Eklund, and Verda, Alan, Eric Van Cleef. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. So that was the judging panel. Again, how weird is it that I remember a specific judging panel from 15 years ago? But of course
0: you do because this is a big lesson for you. Yeah.
2: Because it was the Grand Ole Opry Mm -hmm. and part of that contest was everybody staying in the same hotel.
0: Oh, right.
2: Every other group was preparing for finals and listening to tapes and rehearsing. Mm -hmm. My kids were done. Yeah. And I was walking through the Cascades lobby like an idiot and saw Verda sitting yeah. at one of those bars at the you know the the Gaylord Hotel yeah in
0: the middle of the, yeah
1: mm-hmm.
2: walked up to say hi to Verda gave her a big hug at which point all the other judges show up and it's me in the panel oh well hey I'm happy to be an idiot yeah like let me ask my questions yeah. and by then I mean by then they had greased the skids a little bit. So, yes, yeah, you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you can't see the hand gesture, but we're talking about maybe having by-beating a little bit.
2: <laughs> yeah, just some consumption. Yes. Um but they were just all so forthcoming and just so helpful about everything that yes. they thought and they'd been around the block and I knew who every one of them were mm-hmm. and so I just sat there and learned. Yeah. And and they made me feel comfortable. Everybody at that table that night made me feel comfortable enough to ask a stupid question
0: yeah
2: and that's important yeah so I just kind of in from then on like I you know I was not afraid in my fourth and fifth year teaching to call Gail and be like Gail what should these kids wear this was before Gail had her superstar business it was when she was Still finishing teaching and just starting, but I knew that her kids looked better than everybody else's kids, right? So we or at talk. least looked different. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I learned then to go straight to the people who I thought were the experts in whatever area that I needed help with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I still do that. Uh,
0: I think. Well, I I know that about you, and I think that's why you continue to like. Well, that's why anybody does. That's why anyone continues to grow and change as they get older, is if they're willing to still have that growth mindset, that learning mindset. You never get to a point where you know everything. That doesn't exist. So you always have to be willing to, you know, be willing to look a little dumb. And that happens in my life all the time. You have been present for some of those. But honestly, (laughs) it's a good thing because I always learn something when I do. Um, The... I have to. I have this list of questions that I always try to get through, but I don't have to. But this one, I really want to know for sure what your answer would be to this one. Okay. Okay. <laughs> what would you want your show choir legacy to be? Like, what do you want people to remember you for in show choir universe when you've stopped doing show choir?
2: I'm really not trying to get the most humble caption award. Um, <laughs>
0: It comes with a golden trophy, though, and a scholarship to camp. So keep that in mind. I do
2: like a trophy. I'll throw that <laughs> out there. Um, no, it's, but it's the absolute truth. And remember when I was telling you when I first looked into being a music major in college when I was abandoning all the science stuff, mm-hmm. I wanted to be a pit musician. Right. And my favorite thing to do when I'm actually performing now, um, and even for the past when I was teaching, my favorite thing to do is a company Like I like being, I like being an accompanist. I would accompany every day of the week. Really? I, yeah, love it. Um, So I would be truly would be okay if I didn't have a legacy and -hmm. wasn't remembered, but I would think it would be pretty cool if some of the groups I taught were talked about in the lexicon in a couple decades. I see what you're saying. Like if somebody looked back and said, you know, the Wheat Marvel South Wizard of Oz show. Yeah. <laughs> I really am okay for people to not know who the director of that group was. Right. I don't want them to be like, oh man, did you see John's Oz show? No, 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 no. Right. It was the Wheat Marvel South Classics mm-hmm. Oz okay. show because those kids did it. Mm-hmm. You know, or the the Carmel Ambassadors 9-11. You know, oh, if, yes. if, you know, 25, 50 years from now, Somebody plays that or talks about it, or even like I said, if it's some part of the lexicon or discussion, um, then that would make me smile from the other side. I think I don't I really don't I don't want or seek that. And I truly am not. Yeah. Like, that's just, it makes me feel uncomfortable. Well, and... those of
0: us who know you know that that's true. I mean, I, I understand that you're not just being falsely humble there. But um, no, it... I will tell you that it was during one of these interviews not that long ago, the Wizard of Oz show came up as somebody's no way. Um, yeah favorite, favorite uh, story show, so to speak. So when I mean, we had a whole little discussion about it,
2: yes. But... Uh... I will say both yay and I'm sorry for story shows. (laughs) (laughs) We
0: did fully blame you for that. That was part of the conversation. Um, Was that? And I'll tell you, you can go and listen to this episode if you want. It's Steph Hyatt and I talking about it. And she, we're not blaming you, quote, in a bad way. But when we were discussing like the advent of it or when it became really popular um we were discussing that time frame of course and and we discussed that a little bit but no I think that that's I think that's a really important thing for people to hear as well and for someone like you who has you know I'll say it for you has had a lot of um competitive success in their career and with their groups and um you know you guys won fame nationals when that was a thing what three times I think in the course of five years and a couple times yeah yeah and um you know, your kids have always been, you know, in my memory of under, uh, of show choir time, you know, people that we all look to and those groups that we look to and go, okay, what are they doing? What's doing? What's innovative? So um, to hear you say something like that, I think is really, really important for all of us to remember that, like, you have to come at this job, any version of this job, whether you are writing, whether you are choreography or you're directing with an educator's mindset and an educator's heart, mm-hmm. because if you're not yeah. in it for the teaching and the allowing the students to have these experiences and, and see all of this, then what are you doing?
2: Right. Well, and I liken it to, it's, it's, I'm not, I'm likening it to, I'm not making a direct comparison. Um, Cause I think it, teaching is different than parenting, Yes. but I mean, most really great parents that you ask would rather be remembered for their kids. Oh, yeah. And they would, you know, you would rather people talk about how great your kids are than talk about how great you
0: are. 100%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When and, my kids great, it's like, yeah that's amazing. Like it's that, that light on fire yeah. kind of thing. And yeah. sometimes I think people lose that and it's okay. I mean, everyone's just human. I think there are certainly seasons we all go through. You can probably pinpoint years in your memory of teaching just like I can where I'm like, well, I was less in it for the right reasons that year. It's just, I mean, again, we're humans, it's right. going to happen, but yeah. by and large, if you're there um, to seek fame for yourself, uh, that's a fool's errand in show choir friends, for sure. not a thing. Um, cause show choir fame, by the way, is an illusion that is not a real thing.
2: <laughs> Short lived at best.
0: I don't know how you would even measure that on a scale. Like what is yeah. show choir being famousness? But, um, but yeah, I think that, um, that's such a great answer. I love, I love that. That's what your answer was for that is, is that people remember some of the work that your kids did and 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 get to talk about that for years so i don't think there's any danger that that will not happen um oh i have to ask you about this while we're talking about this what's the year where the show ran backwards and forwards Yeah, I did that once. Yeah, 2014. It was 2014
2: was my last year in Wheaton. Yes,
0: that's right. And I well, for me, I had thought about that for years going, could you ever do something like and it wasn't the way you ended up putting it out there. But what that was one of my favorite things was like, I loved how random and creative that was like, for me, that was fun. Was that an actual nightmare to put together?
2: Yeah, it was the most difficult show I ever wrote, um, which is why I did it once and will only ever do it once. Never
0: again. Okay, so I'll I'll scratch that off my list. (laughs)
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, No, by the time I had gotten to that, I was, you know, writing all my own stuff by that point. Um, And I was also, you know, thanks to whoever started the medley, the mashup, the Mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I wasn't doing, I wasn't writing five song show choir sets anymore. Right. Which would have been easy to do forwards and backwards. What I was writing were complex medleys that had direct segues between and amongst themselves. So it wasn't just do songs in a different order. It was make sure that all the cadence points resolved sufficiently going multiple directions. It was a nightmare. It was an absolute nightmare that we didn't know about until we were too far in to say no. Um, but again, that, that creative decision was driven by a pedagogical choice, yeah. which was that was the year after we graduated all the superstars from the right. class. And, right.
1: um,
2: and so so we did that show because knowing that we were going to hit the road and that plenty of judges, plenty of audiences were going to make make sure that we weren't as successful as we were the year before. Mm-hmm. And I. Knew that my kids, to a certain degree, kind of didn't want to be the ones that let the program down. We built yeah. up this huge dynasty, so I made sure that any any um, any strikes against us were on the adult <laughs> side of the score sheet, not on the kid side.
0: That actually, you know, so sucks.
2: people could,
1: yeah. yeah, people
2: could criticize the show or the show didn't work, or so that whole creative decision really was, I mean, mostly to kind of guard and protect the kids and to give them. Look, kids, we're going to try something new. It might fail. And if and when it does, right. my fault, not yours.
0: Right. And, that, and and that was so wonderful of you to do that and to think forward like that for those kids. Because um, that is so difficult, what you're saying about. And certainly you're dealing with a legacy that most of us would never have, have ever achieved or dealt with in a, in a program that we're in. We're, but we all know that feeling as directors where, you know, you've had two or three years of really like rock star couple kids or a whole bunch of kids, and then they graduate, and it's like, um, uh, (laughs) well what do we do now you know and i think most of us tend to not be as smart as you were about that um but you just you know you you do need to pick for your children and you do need to think about them first when you're choosing stuff and oftentimes when i have conversations with directors about shows that they feel frustrated with or something's not linking up or something's not matching and i'll say well why did you choose this piece or what what was the function behind this idea of a show or whatever and i can't tell you how often the answer is well, I really like this song. And so I really just wanted it to, I mean, and it has literally nothing to do with right. what children they have, what their ability level is, or anything like that. Um, that just always makes me a little bit nuts when that happens. So I, I I think that the more we can push people and directors to do what you're saying there with the whole, like, think the students first, of course, but also pedagogically, what can we do here? As opposed to, right. this is my favorite Lizzo song, which, by the way, you can't do any of pretty much because so many bad words who did one this year though that was oh it was uh glenwood had a lizzo song on oh. their show and it was phenomenal yes <laughs> yes i'm
2: familiar with that chart. tell me
0: more. Uh, do you know anything about that that seems really no that's obviously why i'm bringing that up to you. but yeah that's uh that's i think that's an important thing for people to remember and keep in mind okay so we're to the part of the interview here where you are going to answer the five questions that everyone has to answer, okay? Are you ready? Awesome. So you're not ready, I promise. Okay, so the first one's an easy one. This is a softball to get you into it. Okay. What is your favorite entertainment medium?
2: That I seek or that I participate in?
0: Ooh, good question. How about both since you said that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I play volleyball three or four nights a week. Awesome. So that, that. Um And... You know, until the COVID-19, Anna and I have been going to the movies quite a bit. So I'll say that. What is, is your one.
0: favorite movie you've seen in the last year?
2: Oh, no. I
0: mean, you can give me maybe two or three if you need to.
2: Well, I'm saying, oh, no, because I'm terrible with pop culture. And I don't remember the names of <laughs> movies or actors or actresses or songs or Okay, this could be or- fun. Describe
0: the plot and we'll see if I can figure out what movie it is.
2: It was it was the one that – it's not in English. Um, it was the the one That won the Academy Award? Yes, where they were the going in and they die I don't wanna give a no, spoiler. But obviously alert, but... I
0: know what it is and I literally can't think of it but either. People, what is the name of that movie? People... Parasite. There, there it was. From Korea, yeah. right? South Korea, right? I think South is Korea. where yep, the is yep, yep. from. Yes. Yep. Oh, it was
2: yes. every bit as good as everybody okay. thought it was. I is mean, really
0: it really was scary because I do not love a scary movie, but is it like thrillery? Uh, yeah, I mean there
2: it's it's everything and I think okay. that's why it was one of my favorites because there there, there are moments where it's funny and oh. there are moments where it's really uncomfortable. Yeah. and really poignant. So yeah, it's there are some moments that are kind of scary, but it's okay. not a horror movie.
0: I can't do that stuff anymore. Now once I had kids, I got real squeamish about all that kind of stuff. I don't know why that is but okay. That is an excellent movie recommendation as well. Thank you so much. Okay. Yes. Second question. Can you tell us your entire song set from your senior year of show choir? Yes. Good. You'd be surprised. Not everyone can. All right. Here we go.
2: Okay. So it started with, I have to picture it.
0: Bonus points. Um, We can do the choreo. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do the choreo. (laughs) Can you do the uh,
2: I could but won't?
0: Oh, well, that's um, another face. To me, it's because we were terrible.
2: Oh, 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 and okay. our movement was very minimal. Um, I'm of course saying this hoping that nobody affiliated with that creative team is <laughs> ever gonna. Ever say that. Although, surely, this many years removed, they would also know it was awful uh, by this point. Um, if they didn't yeah. know it was awful, yeah, if they didn't know it was awful, uh, the judges tried their damnedest to tell them <laughs> that. <anyway. laughs> okay, um, okay. no, we started with. I started with Bohemian Rhapsody. Okay. And then, solid. Uh, went into The Grand Illusion. Oh. And then, I hope I get it from Chorus Line. Nice. And then, All I Need is The Girl. And then, Yesterday by In Vogue was The Girl's song. And then, yes. Go the Distance from Hercules. Go the
0: Distance gets me every time. Ugh, still.
2: Yeah. And then, uh, our closer was. Uh, footloose
0: nice that is a very perfect like late 90s show choir set i feel like right there oh, yeah. that's exactly mm-hmm. yeah. like hits all the buttons i think that was also my senior year show was <laughs> <I'm actually laughs> one of those no i will tell you that my senior year show actually included love shack in it as the i'm pretty sure the closer and or was the fourth number? But th- no, 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 no. It was the closer for sure. And um, I can definitely still do all that choreo still. Oh, I believe, um, yeah. Were you judging at Mitchell the year when we went to Blarney's afterwards? Because that's the only place in Mitchell to go that's still open after the contest. And um, and I ended up doing the choreography. Your face tells me no because you would remember it. Because Jen Gullsby no, scored it for me. I'm... And it was very... She gave me very generous scores, but it was it was probably not that good. Well, good for her. In the visual category. It was very kind of her. Um, okay, next question. What is your favorite show that you've ever – show, queer, show – that you've ever seen? So you can't have had any role in it whatsoever.
2: Wow, that's a good question. You're welcome. Am I allowed to, like – call back in and give a different answer next week when I change my mind Yes, Um,
0: (laughs) you're going to sleep on it and call me at two and be like wait I had a different thought
2: (laughs) I will say right now just the first one that pops into mind is Lafayette Jeff magic show
0: oh well you that's a great answer and if people want to go find it what year is that oh
2: dear 90s
0: six or seven am am i wrong Um, yeah
2: it's mid to late 90s
0: that's an excellent show children who are brand new teachers and under the age of 35 you can go look that up and yeah it's really wonderful okay favorite show that you've ever been a part of so either as a performer or director or arranger favorite show and you can say a couple if you need to. I understand what's happening. Yeah, I was going to say it's like it's like picking your favorite
2: kid. I, I totally
0: <laughs> get that. So you can say a couple if you need to.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, for me, it's, each show, um, got, like, it's a flood of memories. I'll say the one that most people talk about that that was pretty crazy is the, is the Oz show. Um, and that was fun because we figured out a way to do something that was being done on the West coast with a Midwestern yeah. sensibility. Yeah. So I'm pretty proud of that and the the risk that we took to try to do that. Um, so that would be towards the top, just in terms of being memorable. And then uh, my last year in Carmel, the nine 11 show yeah. was just really special for me that had more to do with the kids and their ability to deliver that message than the show did yeah so for me i I think the reason that show sticks out is because of the kids
0: yeah and and but those would be
2: the two i think that float towards the top
0: that tends to be the common answer for directors is you have one that like creatively you feel really like you know strongly about and then you have one that just attaches to you because of who was yeah. in it so yeah. that's I totally understand that and and those are also both excellent shows and so that would been Karma would have been 2017 right I think that was that year that sounds right yeah um, and then Oz was 20
2: 12
0: <laughs> right 12 yeah, sounds right yeah okay i'm very impressed with me i'm usually terrible at that so i'm i know impressed. you're better than i am but no i'm usually a... really bad at that stuff and i have some friends who are like show choir encyclopedias and so when i'll be like was that 2012 i be like oh, how do you not know that i'm like why do you know that like
1: right. how right. much
0: brain space are you taking up with this encyclopedic knowledge of show choir shows <laughs> Well, thank you so, so much for hanging out today, John Burless. This was too much fun. And we could do this for another probably four hours if we wanted to. Because I feel like we only hit on like half of the things I would want to talk to you about. So you have to come back and we have to do this again. Deal? Yeah. Okay. Especially,
2: I mean, if this COVID thing lasts, we're, you know. (laughs) we're gonna do
0: 75 episodes in the next two days john i love it all right tell your lovely wife and tell your doggies that we said hi and thank you yes
2: and hi to all the boys in your house
0: yes and all of all of our people stayed quiet during this which is a miracle really let's be honest
2: yes yes
0: (laughs) all right i will talk to you soon
2: sounds good